Welcome to New Covenant Conversations. I'm your host, Gary Elliott. I'm joined by my son, Stuart, as we launch Season 2 of New Covenant Conversations. This season, we'll be talking about the Holy Trinity and covenant theology, uh, just a significant and uh, cannot be overstated the importance, and there's quite a bit of uh, discussion about this that we will uh, go through and talk about and uh, bring out various viewpoints and various theological statements that have been made. Uh, One thing to point out is that in the season two, we've changed our format. We'll be mainly presenting audio podcast, uh, maybe occasional video, but we think that will be uh, probably more accessible. So we begin this season. This is the introduction. Uh, Stuart, you're there. You have any comments to begin with? No, other than... uh... Looking forward to getting into the season two, and um, we've been talking quite a bit over the last several months um, as we've taken a break from season one, and um, this is, uh, like you said, a pretty rich topic, Um, and there's a lot to discuss and digest. There's there's some disagreements, and there's some uh, things to unpack in relationship to uh, covenant theology and the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, so it should be really good stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. I've definitely had to, uh, kind of learn a lot and, um, kind of get out on the skinny limbs of, uh, (laughs) of what my, uh, ability is. And so, um, I'm going to, I think mostly be in the form of sort of disciple asking questions. And, um, you've done a, a lot of reading, a lot of more research into these topics. Um, and so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say and um, picking your brain and asking good questions. Well, good. I am too. Uh, it's been a very rich study, and I hope it comes across that way. Uh, it is significant um, to lay a foundation. And let me say that this information can also be found more fully developed uh, through our website. Uh, I have a position paper, as Stuart said, we've been working on it for several months now, and it will be posted on the website, ncconvo.com. We'll present it initially in um, portions, like for example, this morning, we're starting with the apology, the reason for going into this study. We want to present it in such a way that folks might uh, be interested and understand that we take this very seriously. We think it's of, of great significance and it's just really fundamental hmm. to how we begin to understand covenant theology and how we guard, as Stuart has said in previous um, conversations, uh, the guardrails, not going off and hmm. uh, you know taking a, a, a plunge or a dive uh, <laughs> off the wrong road here. <laughs> so as we begin this morning, one of the things I've been thinking about is uh, a parable by Jesus Uh, In Matthew 13, Jesus says, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So Christian scholars, as disciples in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says here are uh, house despots. They're masters of the household, which I understand to mean that they're custodians. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. custodians of the treasured truths of the gospel. And so Christian Mm -hmm. scholars are to wisely bring out old things by inheritance, and new things by investment. Mm. I think uh, the reason I'm attracted to that parable of Jesus is that because there are ongoing developments of covenant theology uh, as these studies continue, um, they are 
bringing out things by inheritance. Mm-hmm. That is treasured truths of Orthodox Christian faith. Uh, these things have been handed down and passed down from faithful generation to faithful generation. We often may refer to the creedal and confessional truths mm-hmm. of our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And we don't want in any way to debase you know, those truths. Um, I see covenant theology as really filling in the outline right. of orthodox theological headings, like right. the Trinity, right. uh, Christology, right. uh, creation, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And, and covenant yeah. is woven all through that. But I really want to consider covenant and for folks to uh, recognize that covenant is uh, subservient. Covenant is a mm. means of God's works, and it is subservient to those great truths. So right. as we approach yeah. this, what I would say is that the historic Orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity is one of these treasured truths, and covenant serves right. the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. And maybe as we discuss that, it'll come out more uh, clearly yeah, as we well, go along. As you're, as you're talking about that, you know, it, it, it that pull just brings me back to just historically something like the Nicene Creed. You're right. And, um, you know, if, if you dig into what historically took place to formulate that creed and just the amount of debate and the amount of um, uh, effort, <clears throat> concerted effort on behalf of uh, theologians in the church and, um, you know, those in service to the church in that time, um, it was... Mm-hmm. a significant part of our Christian history. And the fact yeah. that we have something that emerged like the Nicene Creed to help to protect biblical truth about who mm-hmm. God is mm-hmm. uh, over against certain heresies that would demean um, that truth by, mm-hmm. um, you know, by making the second person of the Trinity something less than what he actually is revealed to be in mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hugely significant and important uh, uh thing to reflect on and and to celebrate as Christians. And to um, guard. And to guard. And so much so that, uh, you know, the Nicene Creed is used as a way to to say, for the church to say, you know, who's in and who's out of the mm-hmm. Christian church. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you can't say these things about God, then you're not you're no longer talking about the Christian God. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, in our development of covenant theology should in no way undermine you know those central truths those orthodox mm-hmm. truths particularly in regards to the trinity and knowing a little bit of that history um just it really reinforces um reinforces that yeah i, I would say the same thing specifically related to our theme of the holy trinity and covenant theology about the athanasian creed exactly. and about yeah. athanasius yeah. and his yeah. troubled and uh, yeah. courageous uh, mm-hmm. defense of the faith mm-hmm. you know yeah. Uh, now, while we won't be getting into the history of the creeds per se, we are building upon that. We are taking that as an inheritance. Exactly. Um, so the reality of the Trinity confounds over-literalizing Scripture and forced human logical necessity about God's self-revelation. As we've talked previously in uh, some of our conversations about how we approach Scripture, how we understand Scripture, and the danger of making Scripture kind of wooden and overly mm-hmm. literalized. Mm-hmm. And if you try to do that with the Trinity, and that has happened in the past uh, of the very creedal um, mm-hmm. history that you and I have just mentioned, you know, and mm-hmm. if you try to force logical necessity into God's uh, mm-hmm. self-revelation, as we understand, as the limitations mm-hmm. of, of human knowledge and, and human uh, thought, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to, you're going to crash. Right. And so we yeah. need to 
respect that and build upon and uh, appreciate uh, and just, you know, treasure yeah. <laughs> that heritage that we have. Yeah. Um, so bringing out the realities of the Holy Trinity in connection with covenant theology as the, as the, um, the uh, triune God's means of condescending Mm-hmm. is really what we're going to be focusing on. I can't overestimate uh, can't really overstate that uh, that covenant is the means of mm-hmm. God's condescension for meaningful communion with his image bearers. And this is a truth as old as original creation, established by God's eternal purpose. That God condescended in creation, specifically mm-hmm. in the direct discrete creation of Adam and Eve as image bearers and the uh, instituting uh, of Adam as king priest. So th- th- those are huge themes that relate mm-hmm. to this study of the Holy Covenant and uh, of the Holy Trinity and Covenant theology, um, and we'll talk more and more about understanding covenant as the means of God's condescension. Would you say, Dad? Would you say that that um, that would be something central to to have in mind that that statement that uh, covenant is the means of of God condescending um, is that an area? That um, that helps to clarify a particular approach uh, um, between covenant studies, covenant theology, and the Trinity. Yes, it is. That is the main point, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it will be demonstrated repeatedly, and it'll also be confronted uh, where it is not maybe as carefully guarded, or or where there are disputes or, and uh, attempts to. Um, identify covenant mm-hmm. related to the Trinity as more than a means of condescension. So something uh, um, locating covenant uh, somehow outside of the context of God condescending to mm-hmm. creation, condescending to his image bearers. Um, and you would say that one of the central things that we're going to have to deal with is whether or not that that's a helpful way of describing the relationship right. between Trinity and covenant. Yeah, Because it, it, it is... Uh, discussed and presented in various ways, but sometimes in reference to the counsel of the Holy Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, the works of God outside of himself, but that are uh, replete within the um, Trinity's uh, self-involvement, self-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we'll get to that, particularly as it relates to things like what we understand about to be the decrees of God and the counsel of God. Right. Yeah. Um, but then also it's even moved further back, uh, and we have to discuss it in reference to the essential, uh, imminent nature of mm-hmm. God that is unrevealed, that's secret and unto himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we talk about this question of how we understand covenant, how covenant mm-hmm. is uh, revealed to us and what it actually means— we understand there are disputes and divisions over the meaning of covenant mm-hmm. as it relates to Orthodox Christian doctrines, but specifically mm-hmm. as we'll be talking about the Holy Trinity. Uh, I think it's valuable to have sort of an overview that terms, labels, and categories have been coalesced uh, into reform, a reform thematic uh, corpus. This springs up out of the 17th uh, century from Orthodox theological roots, which is really important to realize that in in this taking shape, covenant theology historically taking shape, mm-hmm. it was rooted in Orthodox Christian truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of fell out, and in the 19th and 20th century, it was uh, re- 
sort of recovered or rediscovered and mm-hmm. uh, nurtured mm-hmm. mainly by um, Dutch Reformed theologians mm. uh, of whom you know we'll be talking a good bit about and taking up some of their statements, uh, yeah. examining them. Yeah. Hey, and Dad. then as we go into the uh, first couple of decades here of the 20th century, uh, 21st century, I think it's pretty apparent that the theme of biblical covenant has expanded beyond the theologically reformed community and has taken on its uh, uh, presence or its mm-hmm. uh, common sort of expression uh, in a very broad and wide way. I mean, you see covenant mm-hmm. on everything, mm-hmm. uh, covenant this, covenant yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that it's been reduced to just mainly mm. the idea of promise. When people say covenant, they mean promise. That's not mm. the whole story biblically <laughs> and scripturally. Sure. Yeah. But it's yeah. become the uh, agenda-driven idea. Mm. You know, covenant mm. is agenda-driven. It's a mm. covenant of, well, I guess we could multiply many examples about that. But uh, So do you think that um, that development of covenant theology throughout history um do you think there's a connection between that as it as it kind of comes to um, in its infancy, I guess you could say, in the 17th century, um, but but comes to a pretty full expression at that time as well um, in what you might call like the Orthodox Reformed um, and Scholastic Reformed approach, um, and then sort of its resurgence in the 19th, 20th centuries, and then its uh, kind of popularization in 21st century. Does that does that kind of social history of the development of theology factor into some of the the issues that we're going to talk about in in regards to covenant theology and 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 doctrine of the Trinity? I think it does. Um, that's a pretty um, big subject. Yeah, um, I don't know, and, and it relates a lot more to the historical development of theology. Sure, what I think we're going to focus on, at least initially here, is on the more exegetical and um, biblical study, mm-hmm. um, yeah. because that 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 larger question is very useful, and, yeah. and there's quite a good bit of uh, of uh, study available. I mean, I've got numerous books on mm-hmm. the study of the covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, Historically and exegetically, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I thought maybe one podcast, if we did a video podcast, we could even show and reference a number of those books. They're they're so mm-hmm. useful, and um, mm-hmm. as we get into the content, particularly of the article, uh, there are numerous references that are yeah. um, used about the studies that have done. A lot of those are historical based studies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I was asking the question in order to maybe. Uh, maybe put a frame of reference into some of the issues that, that, that arise in this discussion. And um, sometimes it's helpful to see, well, some, some of the issues and debates and theology um, kind of uh, correlate to social issues and, and the development right. of, of cultural issues. Sure. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And um, it's helpful to see those things in context sometimes to see, okay, well, where, where's this coming from? Why, right. um, you know, why, mm-hmm. Is it, or is there a possible connection between maybe some of the social agendas and whatnot, and the development of of cultural social thought? Um, is that does that somehow play into the changing um, understanding of uh, of some of these categories? Um, and like you said, that is a different conversation, but I do think it's helpful sometimes to maybe see that there's a connection there. Kind of helps to add context to it. I think one thing that's uh, useful to to realize 
is that there are focuses or emphases. Mm. And for example, we talked about creedal and confessional Orthodox Christianity and say the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Mm. Well, it hasn't been until, you know, sometime later that the question about the Holy Trinity and covenant theology gets focused on. Right, right. Because that was not the the burning, and sometimes right. literally, not the yeah. burning issue, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that they were facing at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a growing mm-hmm. uh, that we recognize in the development of theology. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, Jesus referencing the... the scholar, the householder mm-hmm. the, the, who brings out things new and old, mm-hmm. the, those old things by inheritance we build mm-hmm. upon, but we continue yeah. to invest uh, new energy right. and study and um, draw from yeah. that inheritance that we've yeah. received uh, at the same time wanting to yeah. guard its value uh, right. and not undermine it. Uh, yep. So, well, and, 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 and often, some of that will come out, uh, I think, you know, yeah. as we talk about, yeah some of these statements, uh, where they're located, who said it, when they said it, that kind of thing. Yeah, And like you're saying, I mean, I think it's helpful to realize that often those developments happen in response to challenges, new challenges that, that, that are presented. And that's, that's how, you know, creeds get formulated because, oh, we, we we're having to respond to a particular challenge to, to the way that we've understood maybe, you know, the person of Christ and how he's related to, um, you know, the person of the father. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that challenge wasn't, it, it, you know, it, it arose historically. And so that's mm-hmm. why you end up with a creed to try to address that challenge. And you mm-hmm. don't, Christianity doesn't start with that creed necessarily. It has to develop it because of challenges that arise. And it's the same, I think, with, with this conversation. Well, into the broader uh, study of covenant, that becomes very um, apparent Mm-hmm. with interpretation over, well, God promised this. Mm. You know, God mm. made certain land promises. God made certain yep. uh, ethnic promises or God yes. made certain, yep. um, you know, historical promises. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't understand and we don't start rooted mm. in something other than human experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> time and, and history mm-hmm. of human experience. Mm-hmm. And this is what the, the study of the Holy Trinity and covenant theology does. It moves us back right. to being anchored right. in the reality of, and personhood of who God is and, right. and has revealed himself to be. Right. So the meaning then and uh, the application flows from that anchor point to how that works out in history, not not the other way around. Sure, how it works out in history, how it works out in theology, yeah. how it works yeah. out in what we just said uh, a moment ago about communion with yeah. image bearers yeah. originally and then restored. Yeah. Um, so the... Uh, so like, you know, the example that you're mentioning, like land promises and ethnic promises and whatnot, um, we don't start with those... Um, and, and then read back into what God's purposes, eternal purposes might be, redemptive purposes might be. We take God as he's revealed himself, in, you know, in himself and, and his purposes for redemption. And we allow those anchor points to help us apply things like land promises, uh, ethnic promises, those kinds of things. And that um, there's a, a sort of a particular flow, <laughs> I suppose. Um that that might oh, help. Yeah, we talk to... about the progression of revelation. Sure. Yeah. You know there is a there is a, a God's revealing the development. I mean, when you get into covenant theology, 
that's essential. Mm-hmm. The development that God, uh, not only originally with uh, Adam as king, priest, image bearer, but then after original mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that what is so valuable and discernible and applicable is when we start seeing God's identified covenantal dealings with mm-hmm. Adam, mm-hmm. with Noah, mm-hmm. with Abraham, with mm-hmm. Moses, with David, and the new covenant mm-hmm. in the person of the Lord Jesus. And let me say this. Um, when we talked about condescension mm-hmm. and God's means uh, in reference to his covenantal order, um, his covenantal pattern, what is inseparable from that is the second person of the Holy Trinity in reference to his being uh, the focus Mm. of God's covenantal accomplishment that comes about through the incarnation, the resurrection, and the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ the only mediator between God and men. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge um, truth, (laughs) I guess you would say, Mm -hmm. that must inform this whole discussion. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think is very important and that we have to address is that the, the categorical use of the terms and labels that are often loosely assumed and, and generalized, and then sometimes they're conflated. They're just mixed up uh, with the theme of biblical covenant uh, formulations. So here are some mm-hmm. examples. I know in the past you and I have talked about some of the covenantal code words and how right. those are used in Scripture. They're very important. But we also have to be very careful that we don't construct um, a definition of covenant that then drives and everything uh, is made to fit into that particular uh, definition of covenant. That's a, I think that's a a mistaken way. Mm -hmm. It's often done, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a mistaken way of approaching this. So let me give you some examples. For example, covenant. Covenant and contract are not synonymous, but they're often treated that way. Same thing Mm -hmm. with compact. Covenant, Mm -hmm. contract, compact, treaty. Mm-hmm. Now, these may be various aspects, and there may be some overlapping, but we need to be very careful as we search out Scripture, and we see that covenant is something that is more specifically revealed and detailed for us, so mm-hmm. that it's more than a family bond. It's more than a communal life. And and these are things mm-hmm. that have been said and attempts that have been made to sort of make the covenantal idea subservient to a compact or a treaty okay. uh, or a family bond or a communal mm-hmm. life. And, and I think that will become more uh, evident and be demonstrated as we deal with some of the different views and expressions and quotations that come out of various theological studies about covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing uh, to keep in mind is that uh, counsel. Here, mm-hmm. Here's a interesting, uh, and I think it'll be exegeted pretty significantly. And that is council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, will refer to the intra-Trinitarian council. And then council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, will refer to the council of peace. Mm. Well, those are two different words, Mm -hmm. um, and they they are not synonymous, and we need to be careful in the way that we understand and apply them. Uh, We have the term compact Mm. of salvation or uh, pactum salutis, often used from Latin, Mm -hmm. and then the covenant of redemption. 
Well, these mm-hmm. are phrases and terms that are useful and helpful and have taken on a place in the study of covenant theology, mm-hmm. but they're not at all consistent or agreed upon in their mm-hmm. in their use. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me be a little bit more, I guess, direct here and say that the purpose for, for this study and this series of conversations that we're calling Season 2 on the Holy Trinity and Covenant Theology is to identify blind spots in the use of some of these terms and labels, mm. as well as to clarify and redefine more scripturally precise and consistent applications mm. of these terms uh, into the revealed covenantal theme. And then, in, in conclusion, we're going to offer or present a reformulation of a covenant theological schema that is secured in the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Uh, so that is... Yeah. The big, <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. the big uh, 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 title, I guess, or I don't know. The bi- mm-hmm. that's the big theme for this series of conversations mm-hmm. is to. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a big challenge too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is to to locate and to really uh, connect mm-hmm. the reformulation of this a covenantal theological schema secured. That's what mm-hmm. I want to emphasize, secured, because of the inheritance mm-hmm. of the Orthodox Christian doctrine of the Trinity. Yeah. We want to secure the a covenant theological schema in the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Mm. So the challenges um, to that um, are, are, are many, um, as, as we've, and anybody who, who, who dips their toes into the, into the pond of, covenant theological studies and and particularly in regards to the issue of 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 its relationship to the trinity um there's going to be a lot of challenges there um and we've we've mentioned a few of them the challenge of uh terminology defining terms um and the challenge of just the development of this doctrine in 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 history and the fact that you're entering a conversation that's been going on and it's had several voices, you know, several modes of input. And I would say another challenge is, you know, some of the maybe social cultural agendas that sometimes inform um, this conversation and development of this, of this, uh, uh, this theology and these categories. Um, what other kinds of challenges do you think we're going to have to face and, and, and try to refine and answer and, and those kinds of things? I think one of the immediate challenges will be at what level uh, listeners are familiar with the Orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity as Mm. it has been worked out and Mm -hmm. um, presented and applied, you know, historically in in terms of historical and systematic Mm -hmm. theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of times there are terms used if we're not maybe as familiar with the Latin terminology and so Mm -hmm. forth. Um, It can get sort of tedious yeah. Um, now I think it's can be followed and can be understood, and of course our, the challenge that we have is making it accurate and understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the approach to understanding what covenant is is going to be a big obstacle to get across. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you mentioned this earlier, but the reform reformulation of a covenant theological schema starts by recognizing that the scripture use of the term covenant presents a pattern with changing content. I don't think people probably are as familiar to 
considering covenant that way. Like I said, oftentimes covenant is reduced just to the idea of promise. Uh, otherwise, covenant is sort of a, uh, associated with treaty. Well, it's a treaty of some kind. Um, and, and you have these varying ideas and notions kind of floating around that are somewhat familiar and connect with some of our you know, human experience. And one of the conversations you and I've had before is that even in Scripture, there are what we might refer to as sub-covenants. There are counterfeit covenants. There are profane oaths, you know, things of this nature. And so um, to redirect our attention and our focus and to make the argument, and, and hopefully we can lay it out with good scriptural authority, and that is that the scriptural use of the term covenant is a pattern. That pattern has identifiable elements. It's repeated in scripture. And there is changing content. I don't think I can overstate how significant that um, concept is. Mm. That covenant is a divinely revealed pattern, scripturally identified with a recognizable elements Mm-hmm. and with a changing content. Mm-hmm. And if we get a hold of that and then begin to see its scriptural uh, uh, detail, we go a long way toward really getting a good founding in biblical covenant theology. Mm-hmm. And and actually, let me say some things here that are, are when you were talking about the challenges that we face in, mm-hmm. in a study like this, uh, we're going to confront some not only often assumed, but some very cherished notions by some of our theological mm. heroes, which we'll mm. get into, uh, <laughs> may get us in trouble. <laughs> but let me just go ahead and say yeah. it. Covenant is not of the essence or an attribute of God's nature. Mm. Uh, and that that's a biggie. We, yeah. we may not have come across that, or we may not be quite as familiar with that, but when you get into the literature, when you mm. get into the development, the historical uh, studies, mm-hmm. uh, we are or at least I am presenting a contrary view that covenant is not of the essence and covenant is Mm. not an attribute of God's nature. Mm. So while we acknowledge the historic Orthodox Christian categories of God's decree, now Mm -hmm. here we'll find too that decree and decrees Mm -hmm. refer to the same thing. Sometimes it's singular, sometimes it's plural, but we are talking about the comprehensive. (laughs) I'm sorry? That's significant too, the fact that we can use those interchangeably. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because we're talking about the comprehensive mm-hmm. uh, will of God, but Which we're also, yeah. in our helpful way of um, of uh, sorting it out, we can refer mm-hmm. to the decrees of creation yeah. and providence mm-hmm. and predestination mm-hmm. and election, mm-hmm. but yeah. we can refer to it as the decree of one undivided divine will. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so that yeah. that's a bit of a mind... Uh, yep. challenge for us, you know, to yep. grasp. Yep. Um, and so when we talk about that, that as well, I've already said that covenant is not of the essence or an attribute of God's nature. Covenant is also not a decree. Mm-hmm. There is no decree of covenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is beginning to narrow down to what we were saying about covenant being a means of God's condescension. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And we'll, of course, more fully develop and, yeah. and explain that. But real uh, quick... Real quick, though, you would say, you know, that's that's a necessary point to make in service to that treasure that we've received on the doctrine of the Trinity, and yes. um, and 
it's not just kind of splitting hairs. It's actually, you know, you're going to make the case that, um, uh, that will affect that some of that Orthodox theology on the Trinity and it'll affect it in a way where it actually may, it may change (laughs) some, some of the, um, uh, understanding theological understanding of what, what we've, we have said in the past and what the Mm -hmm. church has said in the past about who God is as Trinitarian. Um, and so that's why that, that discussion is important. Um, it is, and it can be very, um, specifically identified and that is the confusing and the problematic issue mm-hmm. of the intra-Trinitarian relationship to covenant. Mm-hmm. We talk about the intra-Trinitarian uh, decrees or decree or decrees of God. We're talking about the works of God outside of Himself that, but that are within His own purview mm-hmm. uh, of of the nature of God mm-hmm. and the communication and the purpose. Would you the say Father, of, Son, of, and Holy Spirit? Would you and say of, his, of his essence? Well, no, no. We refer to the essence as the eminence mm. and the divine counsel of God's eminence that is unrevealed. Mm. We can so acknowledge you, that. Mm. We must acknowledge it because God is other. Right. And we must rest on what God has revealed of himself in terms of the uh, attributes, the non-communicable mm. attributes, Mm-hmm. And then his works in creation and providence that inform us that God is trustworthy in his mm-hmm. eminence in the things mm-hmm. we don't know about him. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no darkness in God at all. Right. You know, and, and you, you know this, but in theological speculations, particularly related to the Trinity and in reference to some more recent speculations of social Trinitarian views, these mm-hmm. things become very convoluted. Yeah. If not uh, kind of rejected altogether, the, the nature of uh, and, and the knowledge of God's being that is other mm. and that we acknowledge but submit to by saying we just don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. That is disturbing to some folks. Mm-hmm. And they have tried to read back into that by human experience and human logical necessity to say, no, no, God is this way or God is that way. It makes it more relatable to more us. More relatable, more accessible. Yeah. But that's not safe. Right. And it doesn't have it does not have biblical or historical orthodox um support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think um and we could probably get into this at a different time, but but maybe it's it's also based off on a what I would say is kind of a confused motivation. Um yeah. it, it, even though on the surface of it it seems it seems laudable to say, well, don't we want God to be relatable mm-hmm. to us? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet w- you do that a certain way, especially a way that sacrifices um, what, you know, what we would say is biblically revealed truth about God's otherness. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up not getting a God more relatable to us. You end up getting a God that's kind of just formed after our image. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this seeps into, I think, the way in which we develop covenantal categories, as oftentimes, or what I would say is, it, it seems like that's in, that's what ends up happening when we use covenantal categories to talk about God's essence. Um, we kind of we're working the the backward, we're working mm-hmm. the wrong way around, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or we redefine covenant. 
yeah, and, and yeah. We, we truncate it and reduce it to something right. like uh, communal life or, or the inner yeah. Trinitarian life of you know love or whatever. Mm-hmm. And right. at, at some point, we'll get into this discussion too, is that covenant is not an attribute of God. Mm, love yeah. is, yeah. but they're not interchangeable. Yeah. But but covenant is a way God expresses his love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, those are helpful. They're not they're not um just hair splitting right. arid debates, you know. No, no, they're uh, not. Not just intellectualizing and right. you know, trying to get one up on somebody else or whatever. No, yeah. we're trying to be consistent with the knowability of God, mm-hmm. but in acknowledging the knowability of God, we are limited and bound to what is mm-hmm. revealed, mm-hmm. and we must be um submissive mm. in faith to the unrevealed, mm. but acknowledging right. the imminent essence of mm. the uncreated otherness of God. Right. And that should humble us, but then what is revealed and what is noble, and in God's pattern of condescension covenantally, our faith mm-hmm. should be built in the trustworthiness and the faithfulness right. and the mm. love right. of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, he, he did not spare his own son but freely offered them up for us all. I mean, how can you question the motivation, the love, and the trustworthiness of God mm-hmm. in that consideration? That brings us back to mm-hmm. the incarnation, mm-hmm. resurrection, and glorification of the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus the Christ, mm-hmm. and how he is the new covenant. Yeah. <laughs> and and when, I, when I say his work is the new covenant. Right. Yeah. 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 So dad, would you say then, um, just as we're thinking about uh, uh, tying a bow on this conversation, um, would you say that it was going to be helpful then to kind of focus in a portion of our conversation on what you might call uh, that, that economic um, outworking of, of, of God and his works um, and, um, and understanding that relationship with, with who God is, um, his works within, uh, the, the, the Trinity, um, and, uh, and the decrees, how would you, how would you kind of at the end here, tie that together to say, this is going to be the focus of a few conversations, the focus of a few developments. Right. Um, it gets into, a lot more detail, as mm-hmm. you well know. And one of the things that uh, will be used is um, terminology, for example, ontological and economic trinity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other terms used too, processional and mm-hmm. missional trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so attempts to sort of categor- uh, categorize that difference between the what we're talking about, the eminence, the otherness, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. works of God outside of himself that are mm-hmm. uh, within mm-hmm. the relationship of the Holy Trinity, and then what God reveals of his works externally through mm-hmm. creation and providence. Mm-hmm. All of this has been very refinely developed in mm-hmm. Orthodox Christian Trinitarian uh, doctrine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of Latin terms are used, <laughs> and... What we want to do is simply explain those Latin terms. Mm-hmm. They're very useful. Mm-hmm. They're helpful. They're not as we're not as accustomed to them, right? But they really help us delineate what Scripture is revealing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know that's the kind of thing that will be a challenge, but 
is necessary for us to work mm-hmm. through. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope that the conversation doesn't become too tedious, maybe by keeping it in manageable bites. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I, I would just say again that much of the content of what we've talked about is more fully developed in the uh, position paper, and mm-hmm. that'll be posted, as I said, in, in segments. That'll be posted yeah. upon the website, so someone could go and read that mm-hmm. and get, I think, more content. Yeah. Well, as we come to a close of this part of the conversation, uh, we haven't covered everything that we wanted to in giving a defense or a reason for why this study is important, why going into these kinds of details and um, even some disagreements. Uh, But we want to refine. We want to improve. We want to build upon that which good foundation has been laid uh, and which those who are devoted to the Lord Jesus, his kingdom, and his covenant have spent time and um, reputation on. Uh, So we want to give a good answer (laughs) for uh, spending time on this. I would just back up and say that as we continue this, keep this in mind. A reformulation of covenant theology and the covenant theological schema starts by recognizing that the scripture use of the term covenant presents a pattern with changing content, Mm. Uh, that we're talking about the, the works or the economy of the Holy Trinity that are revealed through creation and providence and through the revealed word of God and that come to fruition in the incarnation, the resurrection, and the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in so doing, we're going to want to be consistent with that biblical pattern and practice going into the details of the changing content. But in order to do that, we need to have the security and the certainty of the stability Mm. of who the Holy Trinity is mm-hmm. and what the Holy Trinity's relationship to covenant theology is. Mm, and good. we don't want to back into a, um, to a mistake or to uh, uh, a mm-hmm. way that would compromise the, yeah. the integrity of mm-hmm. that uh, historic and um, priceless mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Christian doctrine. Yeah, and we'd uh, say biblical. Know, the, <laughs> biblical yeah, well, Christian doctrine. biblical doctrine of the Trinity, it is mm-hmm. the identifying and founding doctrine of our Christian mm-hmm. faith. It sets mm-hmm. us apart yeah. in tr- terms of Christian faith and life. Yeah. Um, so we really need to to appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we will pick up with uh, more in uh, by way of of uh, giving the reasons mm-hmm. for this study and hopefully encouraging others to to continue with it. Uh, after the apology, we'll get into the abstract that I think. Uh, will be an attention getter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, these will be some of the conversations that are coming up. Uh, we appreciate all who are interested. We hope you'll share this. Uh, we do want to, uh, again, uh, direct you to the website, uh, ncconvo.com, for the text of uh, the studies mm-hmm. that we're doing. Yeah, so, you can find our podcast there too. You can also find it on um, uh any any podcast app that you get it's on iTunes um, so if you enjoy the conversation sermonaudio.com has yep. been pretty well used and, and yep. sermonaudio.com also is connected to uh, a number of sermons over the mm-hmm. years and that, yeah. that continues to get a lot of, uh, of use which I'm thankful mm-hmm. for yeah yeah Sermon Audio is uh, who hosts um, our uh, our audio files and, and video files and uh, they've been really great um, and so you can find our stuff there you can also find 
posts on Facebook um, at uh, NC Combo. And um, yeah, if you want to uh, engage a little bit, you can do that there or send an email. Um, and uh, we look forward to doing this again soon and continuing the conversation, getting into season two. Until then, I guess we'll say uh, right. goodbye. Okay, Docs with that. Oh.